Welcome to Behind the Spotlight, a different kind of podcast where we have real, deep conversations with entrepreneurs and celebrity visionaries who are making their potential possible. They are certainly ahead of their time and worthy of yours. So listen as I take your favorite entrepreneurs off a pedestal and onto a bar stool right next to you. In life, it all comes down to building powerful, long-lasting relationships in a thoughtful, authentic way. You know, we all see that highlight reel of successful entrepreneurs, but I want to take you behind the spotlight and show you who they were before they figured it all out. Let's explore the sometimes torturous, but always interesting paths their lives have taken. So I'm Beth, speaker, author, entrepreneur, and a magnetic business mentor. I help entrepreneurs to strategically prepare their business and gain exposure through collaboration and media so they can make their mark on the world. I'm a huge believer in the power of potential to catapult your life forward. So join me as we explore stories of some of our favorite people leveraging their past to make their potential possible on Behind the Spotlight. How do you think that Megan Murphy, the author, editor, on-air personality, lifestyle and health expert, influencer, home hack master, and certified trainer keeps it together during the day? She has a mantra that says stay in the day. Learn more about her story and how one article in Cosmo really changed her life. Good morning, Megan. Thank you so much for being here. Beyond the Spotlight is so honored to have you and I can't wait to get to know you better. Yay! (laughs) Awesome. So I, we were talking a little bit beforehand we were talking about being real and I do agree with you that not everyone is actually themselves online and you are a hundred percent yourself online and it's so nice to see that but I think that takes guts what do you think well um I'm definitely gutsy so maybe that's part of it but I I think mostly it just takes confidence I mean I think of myself I'm a 45 year old mother of three who's been through some crap and I really like who I am and I like the bad parts and the good parts and I work on all the parts but I don't feel like I have anything to hide I don't feel like I have a show to put on Um, and I love to share, but I love to share the real truth because I feel like that's how you can legitimately and authentically connect with other people. I mean, for me, the whole point of social media period is connecting with other people, sparking with other people, energizing other people and, and, and selfishly letting them to spark and energize me. I mean, so if you're putting out something out there, that's not authentic and not genuine, well, then what you're getting back is crap. (laughs) right? And it's not serving you. So I think the more you can really just be you and speak your truth, which I hate that speak your truth, but like the more you, you can be, the more you're going to connect and make meaningful connections that actually matter to you. And that can actually help you and energize you. I totally agree. And I, I always feel weird when I get feedback from, I do a live or I do a show and they're like, you're so you, or you're so you're, and I'm like, who else? I, I, I don't know how to be somebody else. I don't know how to put on those yeah. airs. And I'm so nervous anyway. So how, I don't have the bandwidth to pretend. I guess that's why I never acting never worked out for me. And I was really surprised to learn that you have an acting degree. Yes, I studied um, acting and English at Rutgers University, Mason Grove School of the Arts. Um, and I think that my acting training was some of my most valuable training. Um, and I remember when I was, my parents were paying for college. They're like, what are you going to do with an acting degree? What's your backup? <laughs> but I would say, I mean, and I, I didn't even talk about this in my book. Like I, it's the most valuable tool in my toolkit. It helps me to be really present 
um, and to listen and to react to situations with honesty because I'm listening. Um, it's given me confidence. It's given me body awareness and presence and the ability and the confidence to be able to get in front of an audience, whether that's an audience on a Zoom call or on a stage or on television, and to really tell a story and to share information. I totally agree. I actually was like, I went to acting camp. Ah. It was called French Woods. It was like the acting camp because I was going to be an actress. An actress, Actually, Sarah Jessica Parker was a counselor. When <gasps> I was it. Yeah, when I was, it was the summer Square Pegs came out. Stop it. So it was like about 83, 82 around there. And I remember her, you know, just, I, I was being bullied and she like held my hand for like an hour. That's what I remember. Oh my God. Her. I wish you had a picture of that. Don't you? Oh You're God. like, why weren't there iPhones in 1983? Just so I could have a picture of Sarah Jessica Parker holding my hand. <laughs> I saw her a few years later and I was like, I was your camper. And she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like oppress something and I was like she's gonna remember me mom yeah. my mom was like yeah you're just like no maybe not but I tried to be an actress in the city in the early 90s for a while but then I was like oh I'm gonna be in behind the camera instead forget this good for you I mean I I so I I mean my acting skills come into play very much in my career. I did some hosting work on MTV and I did commercials and some off-Broadway and things like that um you know, and now I'm on live with Kelly and Ryan or Today Show or Tamron Hall or Dr. Oz. I mean, I do a lot of television. Yes. It's not the same as, you know, memorizing lines and being on stage, but it but it definitely, to me, often, it's, I mean, I call upon many of those same skills. Oh, all the time. And so were you in like an acting kid? Um, I was always a bit of a performer. Former, um, you know, in fifth grade, I won an excellence in acting award for our school play, and that kind of lit a fire for me. Um, we had written the play, and we put the play on, and I had written my own character, which I, I this, talk about this in my book too, because my character was Neggy, and it was the embodiment of negativity. Who really, that's who I was as a fifth grader, um, okay. and I won a, and a, you know, I won an award. You had your fifth grade superlatives and my award was excellence in <laughs> acting. And I'm like, man, I'm good at this. I love it. Um, and so I was always sort of drawn to performance. I was also an athlete though. So I was doing, you know, I was playing soccer competitively and playing softball and basketball and, you know, doing lots of things through school. So it wasn't like, I wasn't the kid in the play because I was right. too, too excited about sports. Um, but I did like the Miss New Jersey pageant and, you know, it wasn't until <laughs> really college that I, that I really studied the craft, the craft if you will, right. and really, mm -hmm. um, really pursued it a little bit more seriously. I mean, I had an agent and I, you know, went on auditions and did pilot season and all the things. So, I mean, I, I really did that. It somehow feels a bit like another life or another person's life at this point, but um, <laughs> you know, it was really fun. I mean, I, I like now I'm picturing like back in the day, it's like I wore a beeper and my eight would call me and then I would have to go to the agency to pick up sides because it wasn't like they could like email you the script. I'd like go into the city from New Jersey and pick up my sides and then come back for my audition. And I also studied, you know, I studied with um, William Esper and, and at New York it, at Rutgers, but then I also studied with Gene Frankel in the city and Anthony Abeson and wow. had some different coaches and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I really loved it. I love 
I love performing. I love it. I love acting. I always say, well, I feel like, like when I'm old and I retire, I'll, I'll do stage. You go back. Well, you, yeah. you know, you threw away that New Jersey teen pageant. You just said it. That, oh, that yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I did do. I was in the Miss New Jersey pageant. I believe that was so like my fun. sophomore or junior year. I mean, that's like a bad nightmare. I mean, like, <laughs> that, I, like that's, that is, again, I did that? Yeah. Oh, gosh, right. I did that. Okay. Yeah. I see life, I call it BC, before children and now, because yeah. my life before children was, I was in, you know, I worked for MTV and, and Tonight Show and NBC. And oh, I see, had I wonder, life. when were you at MTV? So I was like in the, like in the 90s, so like 94, 95, 96, I was a host on the Beach House in New Jersey, the Beach House in the Bahamas. I did the Carson Daly show as like a lifestyle correspondent. And then I did like some pilots for MTV news and things like that. But it was like in the, it was in the nineties. I mean, it was like before yeah, no, I was there. Carson Daly was even TRL. Yeah. I was 95, 97. I did the movie awards and the music awards, but I like, I entered MTV into like the ACE awards. I did like all the entries into the, all Got the, it. the industry things. And I loved, I loved working at MTV. It was, I it loved was going to the, the award shows. Cause the award shows used to be in New York. <sighs> so much fun. Those were some of the craziest. Park. Yes. I can yeah. remember like hanging out with Courtney Love in um, Bryant Park and then like Paul Rudd walking over because Clueless was happening and like chatting up Paul Rudd oh, and then talking to the Foo it. Fighters. And like, it was great. Those were crazy times. I can't believe that was my life. I know. I would, I was thinking, I have a uh, picture upstairs. I'm wearing a black and white striped dress. That's like tiny, you know, this tiny, tiny dress because I was tiny. And I remember walking around and talking to all the celebrities and Right. It seems like it's a movie when I think about it rather than that was what I did. I know. And I have like very vivid memories of some of those nights. Like, oh my God. You know, I tell my kids about it and they're like, "Uh uh-huh. And I'm like, no, mom was actually really cool. My kids are 16 and 18 year old boys, so they don't care that much, but they're like, "Uh uh-huh, mom. I'm like, no, I hung out with like, you know, I worked at the Tonight Show. So I hung out with like real celebrities like Tom Hanks and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tom Cruise. And they were like, yeah, mom. And I'm always like, no, but- I'm cool. (laughs) But you know what? Also, like nobody took, it wasn't like you took selfies and stuff back then. Cause like, no, I don't have pictures. I'm like, yeah, I totally hung out with Brad Pitt. Have no picture of it, but I wish I did. Cause that would have been insane. But I feel like I used a lot of that energy and a lot of that to like, when my kids were little, because when I look at what you're, what you do with your kids and what you do with uh, Women's Day and what you did with ha- Good Housekeeping, I love all that crafty stuff. You know, when my kids were yeah. little, I was making the watermelon snake cake and you know all the different shapes, and I loved that. I loved doing that until they were like, "Can I have a regular cake, Mom?" A daughter maybe would have been more interested. No, I think what happens is like every. I've always been celebratory. Like I grew up in a home that was, my mom was a teacher and I sometimes liken our home to a classroom that it was always seasonally decorated, always felt like a happy party. And, you know, I just, it's funny because my sister and I both just adopted that in our own lives. That's all I know. The, the thing is, it's all my kids know. So like their friends will come over and be like, can I move in? This is the happiest, funnest, coolest <laughs> house ever. And my kids are like, yeah, that's just what my mom does. Like, it's right. always a Halloween holiday explosion or a Thanksgiving explosion or a Christmas explosion or like a flag day explosion, like a taco Tuesday explosion. Like I'm just, I like to party and I, that's how I party with just creating this festive, right. exciting, happy environment. 
that's so nice that your mom created that for you and that you're able to, you're able to like extend that legacy, not only for your kids, but for the world, for everyone to see. Oh, 100%. And I know as much as I didn't appreciate it when my mom did it, I do it now. My kids don't appreciate <laughs> it, but I know that they'll, I absolutely know. Like I decorate their rooms, like their rooms, they came home from school and like their rooms are Halloween parties. And I know they love it. Oh, and I know that if I, I didn't in. do it, they'd be like, having a Halloween mom. But it's not, it's, I mean, they definitely roll their eyes at my 10 year old daughter rolls her eyes at me now. Yeah, she will for a while. Sorry. Yeah, I, I'm in the yeah. eye roll phase. And it's okay. <laughs> I will continue to create the yay. <laughs> yes, you'll continue and continue to embarrass her as much as you can. Because that's, that's our role. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. But you talk about how you were negative growing up and how you really had to retrain your brain to be mm -hmm. more positive. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody obviously has an inherent negativity bias. Mine was strong as hell. I mean, I was, my nickname was grumpy as a kid. I wore a gold necklace that was grumpy from the seven dwarves. Um, I mean, I say this all the time. Like I didn't want to go to Disney world because there would be lines and it would be hot. Like, why would that be fun? I mean, I was just kind of a bit of a rain cloud. Um, and that was just my inherent disposition. I mean, my negativity bias was strong and I really had to systematically retrain my brain and it took years and years of work. Um, and I always say that the real turning point for me was in my twenties when I wrote an article for Cosmopolitan called The Seven Secrets of Happiness. And it was a moment doing those interviews with positive psychologists and doing the research where I had sort of this like Oprah moment of like, wait a second, we have control over our happiness. happiness. Happiness actually is a bit of a choice. There are ways to move through the world that feel better. And so I really started to take a little bit more control of my brain and my choices. And I really systematically reprogrammed. So today, as a 45-year-old mother of three, like I'm legit happy. And and I'm, I'm proud of the hard work I did and really excited to share it with other people because it's not, it takes a little bit of work, but there are so many simple tips and tricks and strategies to live what I call fully charged that anybody can do. It's easy and accessible and actionable. You just need the tools. Yes. And I cannot wait to get your book to get all the tools. I'm very, ex I'm very excited Yay. about that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, reading your story, I know you've gone through some trauma. I unfortunately have gone through some trauma too. And your reaction to trauma, I think is really interesting and in how you've gotten from, like you said, like the negative, the positive, but I think that's really, really difficult um, as an adult also to do that. And to remember that there it's a choice, you know, anxiety is not a choice. No, if you have a medical condition, exactly. Depression and anxiety, hey, that is a medical condition and that and that requires a different kind of help. But I will say, even in those extreme cases, some of these tips and strategies and tricks can help, but there's no substitute for therapy, a doctor, medication if it's needed. That's crucial. Yes. No, I totally agree. But And I think waking up every morning and remembering that and changing that for yourself is really powerful um, and something I struggle with all the time too. Um, you know, and, and one of the things, well, the reasons I wanted to do the podcast overall was because I wanted to share those people's stories where like, hey, I look amazing from the outside and I got everything together, but I had to work my ass off to get here and not just mm -hmm. professionally, just on the inside too. 
Sure. Well, and I think something just key to remember for all of us is that the only thing we can really can control in any circumstance, bad or good, is our reaction. And so that's what we need to be mindful of. How you react to any situation is everything. And it's completely under your control. Bad shit's going to happen. Good stuff is going to happen. All you can do is control your reaction. That's yours. Nobody can impact right. that. And so once you sort of take charge of your reactions, you can, can take take charge of your happiness. I totally agree. And I like your your trick for overwhelm. Which one? I have so many tricks. <laughs> I was really like, I have to go back and look at, you know, you tell yourself like stay in the day. Oh, that's our mantra. I mean, I'm, my kids have that on repeat. I have a feeling they'll eventually make me t-shirts of it. Um, but one of the things we constantly say on repeat um, is stay in your day, right? I mean, it's if you were to look at the big picture of life, it's very daunting and very overwhelming. But today, right here, right now, there's probably one little thing you can do that's manageable, right? Like if you have this bigger goal, there's something today, Ariana Huffington was just on my podcast and calls the micro steps, but there's there's something you can do today that's going to make you feel a little bit better. The key is putting yourself in motion and not being so overwhelmed by the big picture. I, I talk to people about this all the time. Like, imagine in February, if you could have been, if you could have predicted where you'd be today. Well, that would have been a big fat waste of time, right? Because who would have predicted a global pandemic, right. you know, a Black Lives Matter awakening, any of this, right? That could never have been predicted. Yeah, right. That would have so been a Zoomstock. That's the thing. So, so having, so worrying about that would have been a big fat waste of time. So let's not worry about anything. Like the big picture is too daunting. You know, when you were saying that, I'm thinking like I worked when I was in MTV. So when I was in my 20s, I worked so hard to like get somewhere. And I remember that taking that overwhelm and not understanding the, like the magnitude of it. And today I have that different issue where it's like it, there's meaning so much. My son just got recruited for college. My other son, you know, he needs to. Oh, yeah. He got recruited to play lacrosse at Stockton State. or Stockton Oh, my University. gosh. My, my nephew got recruited to play at Rutgers and he just committed. <laughs> oh, my God. Good for him. So I wonder if our son's, so my son, my son, my godson, my nephew is Brady Cordilla, who plays for Bridgewater Raritan, and he's a stud. He got recruited by Rutgers. He had a million offers, but he signed for Rutgers. That's he's amazing. a junior, though. Him. He's only a junior. It's like oh. crazy to me. Well, you probably don't know this, but the 2022 class of lacrosse players in New Jersey, they're, they talk about it all the time. Like They're the most fantastic class of kids that have been in a long time. Like as a whole, like because okay. my son's class, no juniors got recru recruited last year. A couple. Yes. But this year, all the juniors are getting recruited now. It's um, it's good for him. And yeah, for they're like, like, that's amazing. Well, my husband played at Rutgers. My brother-in-law played at Rutgers. My brother played at really? Rutgers and he felt and we all went to Rutgers. So my dad, who's yeah. passed, went to Rutgers. My mom went to Rutgers. My sister my husband, we all went to Rutgers. So for him, I mean, when at my dad's retirement dinner, the Scarlet Knight showed up. I mean, like that's in my family. So he's like, you know, my lifelong dream was just always to play for Rutgers. Do you know what position he plays? Mm, I think he's a midi, but I don't want to get it wrong. Okay. I don't know. I'll ask Jack. I'm sure Jack knows. He definitely he knows who he is. Because I've my been told my nephew is a stud. Yes. That's so funny. <laughs> I have a goalie. 
So he usually knows. Uh, he usually knows most of the kids. He'll he'll hundred percent know Brady. Yeah, they well, they all kind of know each other. We're we're beyond excited. But talk about being overwhelmed. Like to play for you know to go to college and play a sport at a really high competitive level. Like that's a lot. Yeah, I didn't play kid. sports like, in college. I was like, that's yeah. it was. I would have loved to have played sports in college, and I had sort of looked at Georgetown and some other schools through soccer. But it, that just wasn't that wasn't in the cards for me because I already. And then I started working in college. I already had a magazine job by the time I was nineteen, so it was just not. It was just not. In the well, cards. I wanted to go back and talk about that a little bit because so at as a kid, you wrote an essay. So it sounds like you were always a writer. Was that always one of your passions? I would say, and it's fun because I'm watching it in my kids. Like my daughter has a gift for language. I would say wow. I always had sort of a gift for language, like. Um, I, I kind of just know how words, it sounds so woo woo and lame, but I can like make words dance together. Like I know how words are supposed to hang together. I can't solve a math problem, but like, I understand words. Words are my friends. I've always loved to express myself through writing. I've always been a writer. Um, And I did write a powerful essay on overcoming adversity when I was a senior in high school, which earned me a Horatio Alger National Scholarship. And I was featured on on an NBC program um, celebrating kids from around the country who won these scholarships. Um, And it was like Trisha Yearwood performed and Don Johnson and, and Bob Costas were the hosts. Like it was a big deal. And it did get me some attention, which subsequently YM Magazine called and they wanted to do my story. And I said, only if I can write it. And that sort of kind of springboarded my career in terms of I love professional writing. Right. I love the gutsiness. Well, the thing is, I didn't know any better, right? It was like, I had been through some crap. I mean, my best friend and I had tandem eating disorders. She passed away. um, And I eventually got myself well after three hospitalizations and a whole lot of crap. And I had, you know, I've been through therapy at a very young age. And so I I got out the other side. And and the essay was, I mean, Hank, it was pretty powerful, you know, coming from a a teen. And um you know, I mean, but I'm, and I'm so grateful for that adversity because I made my mess, my message, and it landed me some jobs, <laughs> you know. It landed you a lot of amazing jobs. Yeah. Like, you know, the more and more you're talking, it's, you don't, you work your ass off a hundred percent, but your trajectory is such a high level. That's just where your soul is and where you're, where I, you know, I'm woo woo. So I, I go there. Yeah, you know, I like, get it. But I would say also <laughs> like, this is just like, this is the same thing about like being honest or like, you know, authentic, like in that moment, all I knew was recovery. And so I talked a lot about it. And I, all I knew was learning to love yourself and positive body image and, and learning to respect your body and treat food as fuel and to learn to treat exercises, um, you know, if like joy versus punishment. And so I just, I become an evangelist for anything I care about. That's just my nature. And so I became, you know, like, an evangelist for recovery and healthy body image. And by virtue of speaking that truth at the moment, I connected people, I connected with people in a very real way. And it led to really great things. The energy you put out in the world is always the energy you're going to get back. So the more authentic and the more real and the more truthful those thoughts, those ideas, that energy is, the more meaningful the things that come back to you are going to be. 
there's just going to be more synergy when what you put out is what you want to get back. Right. Yes. And it's, it sounds like your, your parents started with that and you're, you know, I know that through reading about you, you're really close with your sister and your brother Oh yeah, um, and your parents, which is like being able to be authentic, be real and have that confidence, you know, having that, that really solid support system. You know, yeah, you I think mean, that really contributed I, to it. I certainly put my family through hell and I regret that every day now, how, how, how I tortured them now as a parent. Now I understand how much my horrible actions impacted my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, and I feel terrible about that. I mean, I was a hot mess. I mean, I was hospitalized three separate occasions yeah, and, you know, had a raging, raging eating disorder that, I mean, my sister and I are 18 months apart. Like my brother is 18 months younger than her. Like that was a lot on them. Your sister's in the hospital yeah. again, you know, like your sister doesn't eat, like your sister's a hot mess. She crashed the car cause she passed out. I mean, it was like, I was a disaster. Well, you were um, sick. I was very sick. I was very sick. sick. Yeah. And again, it feels like someone else's life because I've come so far. And, and you know, hell, there are certainly days where I'm like, geez, Louise, turning 45 is really murder on your metabolism. And, and I'm not in love with my thighs, but I still have been able to flip the switch so that I can be grateful for my thighs and, and it, and be lucky that I get to move and then I get to be here and I get to be healthy and not focus on the fact that, well, my hips are expanding in a way that I'm not crazy <laughs> about, but yeah. okay. My jowls are coming out. Yeah. I'm with, yeah. I'm you know, I mean, Hey, listen, some of the realities of aging are a little confusing. It's almost like going yeah. through puberty oh, in man. reverse where you're like, what is happening? <laughs> I don't understand like what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like you said, I get to be almost 50. I get yeah. to go get mm -hmm. Botox and whatever else to fix my face. So yeah. I feel better about looking at my face in zoom every day, all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's I, like, but I think that get to is really, is really, really powerful. It's, it's magic. And I think like having an attitude of gratitude is truly one of the secret sauces in life. The more you, can can kind of try to appreciate the the people in your life, the love in your life, the good things in your life, the less shitty everything else seems. Yes, I totally understand. My son Jack, who's um, playing lacrosse in college next year, he was sick for about eighteen months, and I do and I do worry about the ramifications it had on my on my son, the young my younger son Maxwell, and. A, being very aware of that and what he, how he's had to change and not knowing that he was changing or that he has changed because there was so much onus on his brother and we had to take care of him and you know not feeling well is not feeling well you're not happy when you're not feeling yeah. well so and you have there's five in your house there's only four in mine and two dogs but like if one person's not happy no one's no happy. it affects the whole family it's tough it really does it's tough it, it is but I think that the the the, what you put out and the hacks that you have created over the last 45 years. You know, I, I'm really excited about your book coming out and not only excited for you because I, I love you and support you. And I'm so excited that you're, that we finally get the first book. Cause I know there's going to be more, but what was like the catalyst of you creating the book while you're also creating women's day at the same time? Well, it's, cra it was, it's crazy. So I, you know, I feel like 
everybody always says to me, oh, I wish I could bottle your energy. I wish you could, I could bottle your energy. And I think in life, you're supposed to put out what people ask of you, right? Like that means that's my thing. And I was like, well, how do I do that? Like, how can I do this? Because I do feel like I can share. And I do feel like there is sort of a recipe for this bubbling positive energy because it was hard earned. It's not natural. And so I was like, I want to write a book. I just want to write a book. At first, I was calling it Momergy because I thought it was going to be like mom energy and how to be this energized, happy mom. And, you know, I started meeting with some agents and I was like, I have this book idea, et cetera, et cetera. And then I met with my my literary agent, Laura Nolan, and, and we over breakfast and I cried and we talked and and she's like, it's not mom energy. She's like, that's too one note. I think what you're doing is bigger than that. And I think it could speak to more people than that. So over the course of a year, I wrote her like, and I love my, my agent is, I, I love this woman. I wrote a series of essays and sort of convinced her of what this idea was. And then she signed me. And then we spent a year really pushing and pulling at an at a very comprehensive outline. So that means sample chapters, a complete outline of the book, a media plan, marketing ideas. Like you mean really a very comprehensive 70-page document that she felt confident she would be able to sell um, to a publisher. And that was a really kind of outlined exactly what I was going to do with this book. And it was a perfect exercise for me too, because it really helped me wrap my head around exactly what I needed to do. And so when she finally felt like it was ready, and I don't know if all agents are like this, but I mean, she was hands (laughs) on in this process with me. Like we really pushed and pulled at this, at this outline. And so then um, over a two week period, she sent it to publishers and we were, you know, invited them to take meetings and then the mm-hmm. book went to auction. So we were very lucky to have a number of meetings with Yay. some big publishing houses. Yeah. Which it was really, exciting. I mean, I geeked out when I went to Penguin Random House though. Like I geeked out, right. I walked into Penguin Random House and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this I want to work amazing. here. Like I want to write a book for this, this is so insane. <laughs> Um, and my agent was like, yeah, you weren't that cool in there. And I'm like, well, this is how I feel. This is like, this is the dream. And I was lucky enough to get a, a, a offer from Penguin Random House. And that's who I went with. And so I signed with Penguin. And then I book was due in this April, turned it in in this April. I turned it in 90,000 words. Had to cut it back down, cut it down to 70,000 words. My brilliant editor, Marion, kind of moved a few things around and... It is one of those processes, though, like I need to read the book in entirety now because I'm like, is that anecdote still in? Did we take that out? Did we move this? Like you start I, like I'm not I've been working on it for three years and I'm like, what's what's the fun? I'm like, I can't <laughs> what remember what like? stories are in, what stories are out. I mean, cutting 20,000 words is a substantial amount of words. Yeah. Um, and I worked with a collaborator as well because I couldn't. um I couldn't give up any of my day jobs. So I didn't want to give up the magazine. At the time when I signed, I was the executive editor of Good Housekeeping. Um, and I'm doing all the TV and doing the podcast and raising three kids. I didn't want to hide for a year and simply write a book. I wanted to be able to get it done while getting everything else done. So I worked with Beth James, who's an incredible um, writer and editor who I'd worked with at Self Magazine, who is the one who kept me organized on deadline, like 
really dove into the science and made sure we had the most comprehensive research. Because there's a lot of um, positive psychology and neuroscience in the book. It's not just like what Megan Murphy thinks. I mean, there's a lot of personal anecdotes and a lot of it fueled by my own guinea pigness, right. um, trying all these tips and tricks and strategies, but, but it's all backed by science. Um, and I'm proud of that. So the book itself, it's called Your Fully Charged Life, and it is a radically simple approach to having endless energy and filling every day with yay. And it really looks at your life as a number of different charges. So the positive charge, how do you retrain your brain to to, to be more optimistic and positive? Um, the love charge, the importances of the relationships in your life, the main ones like your family, but also how you interact with strangers and why that really matters. The work charge, I kind of joke, is like how not to be an asshole and find passion and purpose with whatever it is you're doing to earn money. Um, the extra charge is all the fun stuff, like having a power color and decorating for holidays and all that good stuff. And then the recharge is really um, how do you build grit and resilience and bounce back when things don't go your way? Uh, um Outside of, you know, my eating disorder and my best friend's death, I lost my dad to pancreatic cancer, which was really hard. Um, and so a lot of the lessons I've learned through Operation Good Grief and finding the yay in every day, the, the yay list was born from my grief. So I really talk about managing and processing grief um, in ways that I think are very helpful. And so yes. that's like the book in a nutshell. It, it comes out February 23rd. It's up for presale now. Um, which is like so crazy that it's like real and about to be in the world. <laughs> oh, I have my pre-sale number. I, I ordered my book already, but I want to share with you. Oh, that thank you. I lost my father-in-law in a tragic accident around the same time that you lost your dad. And I went into a black hole and you were, and you helped. You really did. Oh, that's what makes me misty. I get <laughs> misty when I realize I help people because I'm, I'm often helping myself and it's my own therapy. But when I realize it helped other people too, it's such a reward. It's such a gift. You know, it really did because I I really went into a black hole for about two years. My son got sick. And in the midst of that, I had a car accident. In the midst of that, my father-in-law was hit by a car and subsequently died. So it was just, it was too much for me to handle. And watching how you were handling your dad's death. And I was like, okay, there was always like a light. Like I could go to Instagram or I can go to social media and see what you had put out. And I love all your decorating and all that stuff. So that made me happy anyway. But I was so, I was, I've been impressed with you since I met you in your office years ago with Nancy, Dr. Nancy, oh. you know, oh but. Oh my God, to, I forgot about that. <laughs> to watch how you could express your grief in a different way was like, oh, it gave me that faith that I could get there too. Yeah. And, and frankly, like that, I'm like, that definitely chokes me up. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here crying. Um, but I think that's the whole point. Like we can be sparks for each other. Like that's yep. the whole point of being on this planet is like, how can we help other people? And selfishly in the helping of other people, you help yourself. Like that's what it's all about. It took two years. My dad was my favorite human on the planet. Like my dad was my biggest cheerleader. He was my voice of reason. He made my mom more manageable. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, he was my person. I like, I loved my dad like yeah. nobody's business. And and so when he got sick out of nowhere and was gone in five months, like it sucked. And at the time, I I had a 
four-year-old, a three-year-old and a two-year-old. Like my kids were babies. And I was like, God damn it, this sucks. Like, how do I go on living without my person? And what started as Operation Good Grief was really, it was like, okay, let's find one thing that doesn't suck today. Because if I can find one thing that doesn't suck today, I'm going to get through today. And it was, it was like, okay, there's daffodils blooming at the end of the walk. I'm going to, I'm going to hang on that today. Or like, oh my God, look at this heart-shaped foam on my latte. I'm going to focus on that. And just doing that every day and documenting it. I mean, that was part of it was like, I was documenting it on social media and creating a community. And I loved it when people were like, what's that hashtag operation good grief, because sharing it made me stronger. Talking about it made me stronger. Living through it made me stronger. And and frankly, like that took two years. It took two years to really move through all of the stages of grief. And it was at that point when I realized like, I'm going to miss my dad. I'm probably going to miss him every day and probably think about him every day. But there's still yay in every day and I still have to go on. And then I morphed it into the yay list. And then I the question became, what doesn't, it's what the question changed from what doesn't suck today to what made me say yay today. And the neat part is it's much easier to find those things now. I mean, they just, they just like slap me in the face. The yay slaps me in the face. Like it finds me now um, because I'm so receptive and open to good. Something I recently, some research I recently read, which was really fascinating to me is that it takes five to six good thoughts to counteract a bad one. And so the second you have that awful negative thought, like, uh uh-oh, you might need five good thoughts to balance that. You know, because the because our negativity bias is so strong and the bad is so loud. I mean, think about in the world right now how oh, loud the yeah. bad is. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And so we have to find, gate, cultivate, hang on the good stuff. Well, you're a part of that good stuff. And you know, I really appreciate it because I I couldn't see the good stuff and, you know, checking Instagram every day and seeing what you put out really helped because I would honestly, I sat and watched TV for a good part of a year. I just, I, I couldn't function, but it was just too much for me to handle, but watching what you were doing and, you know, I, too, my kids weren't as little as yours, but having, you know, having to get up and smile for them took a lot. So I wanted to appreciate you for that. And also like appreciate the part that that's where you went because you had done such, such hard work to get there. Um, and not, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, a, and I'm not a negative person and I've never been a negative person. Like I was called sunshine when I was little. Oh, we wouldn't have been friends. I would have been like, shut her up. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, until I was a deal, but I just started sharing the story of what happened. I just did um, an interview with Carrie Barrett, which I really told the whole story, which I have never actually told the whole story on air anywhere. And the feedback that I've been getting from the little bits I've been sharing, I can just imagine what you get every day from people because I think when we, we need to share that piece along with the yay and everything's great but we need to share that like I'm going through this and this really sucks because sucky things happen every day yeah but there isn't another an, it's another also side. here's the thing I think we need to share the good the bad the ugly everything in between I think there's strength in sharing there's strength in community we can spark each other and build each other up and recharge each other's batteries by sharing and it's also okay to be happy and it's okay for good things to happen and it's okay to celebrate and it's okay. I mean, I've heard, so I've reimagined Woman's Day as destination celebration and tried to really turn it into a magazine that is a party on every (laughs) page, no holiday left behind from Taco Tuesday to Christmas. And people will say to me, well, this is not a time to celebrate. And I would argue that this is the most 
important time to celebrate and to find joy and to find the yay. Because really, like we got to make the good louder. It's okay to it's okay to to be happy or to celebrate even when times are really crappy. You know, I've talked to so many people who are like, well, you know, I can never, you know, I can never be happy again uh, because so and so died or so and so is sick. And it's like, well, that's exactly what they wouldn't want, right? Like, you have to yeah. find joy. You have to rebuild. That's a gift to that person's memory and their legacy. You know, not to hole up and die with them. It is perfect. And Megan, you're perfect. I am so happy to have you in my life. And I'm so happy to just share a couple little stories with you and appreciate you for who you are. The book, again, comes out February, correct? February 23rd. Yep. February 23rd. Yeah. And if you have a small bookstore, reach out to them, tell them to carry it or have them order it for you. I like, I love, I'm a shop local crazy person. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I run the social media as a hobby for my town of Westfield, New Jersey, and I don't want bookstores to go away ever. So as much as I love Amazon, I love a small bookstore. Yeah. I think people don't realize that you, they can order it for you. So call your local bookstore. Yep. I say that for my cocktail book all the time. Call your local bookstore and get yep. it because you, we need to we need to really support that social that uh, those local businesses. As we end up, I usually ask my guests two questions. The first one is: If you, you didn't do what you do, is there something else you think you'd be doing for a living? Um, let me think. What else? What did I just say to my kids that I would? Oh, yes, this is my dream job. This is going to sound nuts. I would be a bingo caller at Woodlock. I love bingo and I love to do like be wonderful <laughs> or like, you know, like be nine. It's not a tumor. I would like <laughs> love to call bingo at Woodlock. I would just like move in okay. and I would call bingo. I think, I think 30 years from now, I think that'd be a perfect job for you. <laughs> I think so too. Can't you see me doing that? Calling bingo at Woodlock. I see like a very colorful muumuu with like something in your hair. Legit, and the, and the legit. Orange microphone. You know, yes. Orange is my spirit color also. The orange microphone would be amazing. I love that. You know, maybe we should have a, a virtual bingo cocktail hour. Oh my God, I love that we idea. Call bingo and drink cocktails. And because I'm a cocktail cookbook author, I do like to ask my guests, what is your favorite cocktail? Whatever my husband makes me. <laughs> no, we've been doing a lot of um, like... We do like tequila with soda and a splash of lime, like sort of like a margarita light, Casamigos yep. and like club soda and lime. You're speaking my language. That's what I'm going to yeah. have. Today. Less sugar, like, you know, but I do like a cocktail. Let me tell you. Oh, I do too. A little splash of grapefruit juice could be really good in that too. Just a splash. Thank you so much. So everyone can find your book in any bookstore. On the, Off the Gram is a new podcast. Um, I actually listen... I went to listen last night to a couple episodes and I just listened to the two Tanya Zuckerbrot episodes. I couldn't get enough. Oh my gosh. I know those really put us on the map. We hit top 30 health and wellness on iTunes from those shows. And um, yeah, it was like a really, we have a hundred thousand downloads, all the things. Yeah. Crazy. It was really powerful, but I also love how you do it with your friends. Megan, thank you so much for coming on. All the information about you will be on the notes. Well, thank you so much for having me. Bye, Meg. Thank you. Bye.